Pleasure to be talking to uh, Jeffrey Myers, a lawyer lecturer up at TRU and somebody who uh, knows a thing or two about uh, what's going on in the United States as well as here in Canada. Jeff, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Shane. Nice to be with you. Yeah, nice to talk to you again. Uh, so why don't we start off uh, uh, talking about Mr. Whitaker. Uh, he has been, as you know, uh, asked, tasked with being sort of the acting attorney general uh, until they can sort out who is in there after Trump uh, Trump fired the, the previous one. Uh, the Democrats are bringing some kind of legal action against him to sort of you know, stop him serving as the acting attorney general, citing uh, some of his comments uh, that have been very critical of Robert Mueller and things like that in the past. Well, what's your general read of that? Is this a sort of a frivolous politically drawn lawsuit or is there any meat on the bone here? It's definitely not a frivolously drawn lawsuit, and, and there is meat on the bone. I mean, there's a couple of lawsuits important uh, for your listeners to understand. I mean, the most recent lawsuit was this morning was filed in the U.S. District Court uh, in uh, in D.C., and that was by uh, three Democratic senators, Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, uh, Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, and Maisie Hirono of Hawaii, um, all of whom uh, are working alongside in uh, public interest groups, uh, two in particular, one called the Protect Democracy, and the other called the Constitutional Accountability Center. And um, what they are saying is that this appointment is in violation of the Constitution, which requires that um, um, uh, senior officers of the government, uh, senior State officials be uh, confirmed uh, by the Senate, and uh, in the case of Mr. Whitaker, he hasn't been confirmed for the current position he's in, which was Chief of Staff to the outgoing uh, Attorney General. It hasn't really been confirmed in a federal position since I think you know about ten or fifteen years ago when he was a District Attorney in Iowa. Um, and so then there's this question of whether there's a there's a there's a piece of legislation which allows an interim appointment without Senate confirmation, but it's for a limited amount of time. I think 200 or 210 days, if memory serves. So it's probable until then that the guy is you know within the you know uh, he is the valid Attorney General and in, in the probably likely the legal opinion. Uh, of anybody else, unless, of course, he's appointed even during this interim period for a purpose of assisting Mr. Trump to obstruct justice, or he can't discharge his duties um, in a non-biased fashion, which is open to debate because of the record comments he's made on the record, skeptical of the the Mueller investigation, which he's, of course, taken over from Mr. Rosenstein, who your listeners will remember, took over when Mr. Sessions uh, recused himself due to conflict of interest, therefore, and at that time, sowing the seeds which led to his recent uh, removal or his recent so-called uh, resignation, really forced resignation by Mr. Trump. So, um, and you've got also the Maryland uh, Attorney General, uh, who's also um, uh, filed a lawsuit uh, questioning the constitutionality of this appointment. And like I say, I think is it for an interim basis is an argument to be made, but any longer than that basis certainly problematic. And it's never been the case. I mean, in recent history, I don't think in the history of the United States that somebody's been appointed to a position like this without Senate confirmation. So it certainly violates all kinds of norms as well. What about on the conflict of interest front, specific to the Mueller probe? I mean, uh, Mr. Whitaker has said some pretty inflammatory things on that front. If he begins to, in some form or fashion, interfere with or try to contain or or whatever he does uh, as far as as Mr. Mueller's probe, uh, what could possibly happen on that front, if anything? Well, that's the, I mean, you know, part of the basis of the challenges that are coming forward here, both from the state of Maryland and from these three uh, Democratic senators, to his appointment is because, I mean, the whole purpose of having um, senior officers of the government, and of which the Attorney General is among the most senior, is having them Senate confirmed is so that they're not 
regarded as or viewed as or beholden to, in actual fact, the president as a person, that they're beholden to this U.S. system of government and that they their appointment is at least checked by another level of government, right? So the risk with somebody like Mr. Whitaker, who again has made comments you know, in interviews and publicly, which uh, Mr. Trump has claimed not believably that he didn't know about, but he'd, he'd run the gauntlet on all the morning shows basically saying that he thought the Mueller investigation was illegitimate and that there that it should be shut down. Um, and so, and effectively, most of the commentators have told us, and I think they're probably right on this, that this was auditioning for the part for Mr. Trump, who's known to do very little policy work, but to watch the morning shows, right? So that's the classic reason why the founding um, fathers wanted the appointments, senior cabinet appointments, to be Senate-confirmed. Um, so it's just a, it's very much a, a perfect case. I think it's going to be quite interesting to see um, what happens on that, and it of course operates alongside numerous other uh, lines of attack uh, against uh, Mr. Trump legally as well. I mean, you could think of uh, Jim Acosta, the CNN reporter, who's been asked to leave the press, uh, who's been had his press pass revoked the um, emergency injunction um, that he got returning into the press room and the um, Trump administration's now attempt to do this, give him some due process so that they can then ultimately ex- uh, expunge him from the press room again, and ultimately this will end up in a First Amendment case. Uh, so that's those are just two really recent legal things which are uh, above and beyond the ongoing Mueller investigation, which may or may not be coming to a head, depending on the speculation that you hear, and the question of emoluments, which, as I've said from the beginning, that is the really the um, influence and the taking of money and the mixing of interest between the president's um, private business and his public office, which has been there from the beginning. All of these things remain, and they're overwhelmingly... Um, you know, serious things, and they should combine, let alone on their own, um, frankly, be sufficient uh, for impeachment. All right, let's talk about Mr. Trump and the Mueller probe for a second here. Uh, Mr. Trump says a lot of things and uh, that are sometimes at odds with each other, and one of those appears to be comments he made uh, not that long ago saying he'd be more than willing to sit down and talk to Mr. Mueller personally. He's now amended that to say uh, that's not going to happen, and it looks like he's going to respond in, in writing. Uh, well, how will that possibly affect, uh, affect things as far as Mr. Mueller's concerned? Well, I mean, the real question going forward now, for starters, of course, Mr. Trump has had some bravado in terms of how he's answered the question. So he said, yeah, I've got nothing to hide. I would speak. I would speak. But anybody who's observed Mr. Trump and his lawyers are, of course, uh, clear, reasonably should be reasonably obvious to him, to them, is that the man can't open his mouth without contradicting himself or lying. So while he was perhaps okay in depositions 20 or 30 years ago in the real estate business, he's clearly declined since then and is not, he's erratic, you know. So no lawyer would want him doing a, what we call in Latin, viva voce, live voice interview, right? So what they want to do is have him answer the written questions, and this has been a product of negotiations back and forth, and he's now in the process of answering the questions and has made much hay at a press conference yesterday that it's him who's answering the questions and the lawyers are just there in this advisory capacity and he's in charge which, of course, the lawyers are carefully vetting the answers. Um, but, if uh, you know, so the special counsel will receive the written answers and then will decide, based on what they receive there, whether they want to try to subpoena uh, the president or have him um, appear before a, a grand jury. Um, and and, and those, that, those are the possible next steps. But a lot of the evidence, I think, that the Mueller investigation needs is already publicly available. And I, there's no doubt that if he answers these questions forthrightly, um, you know, there's going to be things which are either obvious lies, and he can't, he's not 
not supposed to lie in them. These are like questions answered under oath, or they're going to be contradicted by huge amounts of evidence. So I think there's no he is in, he is eventually going to be in trouble. It's just not clear uh, exactly what the end game is. And I will say this: the fact that. Uh, that um, you know that the Congress has turned over the lower the lower house has turned over to the Democrats, and the fact that Jeff Flake, I mean, who knows what will become of it? But Senator Flake, outgoing um, Republican senator, is saying he's going to hold up all of the uh, judicial nominations that the uh, White House wants in the lame duck session of the Congress, which will now go on for a couple of weeks, unless there's some new um, legislation in, or that finally goes forward protecting. I shouldn't say new legislation because it's been there for a while, but that the existing um, legislation um, proposing to protect Mr. Mueller's independence and from being fired uh, by Mr. Whitaker, by the White House, uh, goes forward. Now, again, he he has limited power because in two weeks they could just wait him out and then they'll get their appointments anyway. Nevertheless, it's it's a it's a it's a hail mary attempt, I suppose, by somebody who everybody sort of views John this way anyway. But it looks like he's trying to do something. So there's a few moving pieces in the next little while, uh, but the walls are closing in. It is going to get tougher uh, for Mr. Trump in a variety of ways. And I think having now a new Congress, particularly if you look at the um, House Oversight Committee, which is chaired by a, a by by a Democratic Cong will now be uh, chaired by Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff. Uh, you know uh, they and other um, oversight um, committees in Congress will begin to put the screws to Mr. Trump. Will also be very much inclined to release whatever information uh, they get from the Mueller report. So it's a bit of a, a race, I think, probably for Mr. Trump to find a way to fire or muzzle Mr. Mueller before he now has a, a friendlier Congress who's not going to who's going to want to see the outcome of the report. Um, made public, which that's a, that's a difference from before the election when it wasn't clear what would happen there with the Republican majority uh, in Congress. Yeah, and speaking of that, I mean, uh, it's kind of interesting because of some of those races uh, that were ultimately decided, and some still are being decided as we speak, but in the days and weeks after the midterms. But uh, what was sort of being denounced as not a, a blue wave on election night has certainly turned into a much more than that, as we've seen the results sort of solidify. Does that mean politically that Mr. Trump is facing an increased amount of pressure? Is, I don't know if he's uh, if you can define it as his unpopularity among the people or, or the rising Democrat sentiment or, or however you want to quantify it. Well, I mean, I think it, it certainly, there's no question about it. I mean, on election night, you know, I think people were watching it. And, and the, the reality is the closer that these elections are, the, the longer it takes to be certain about the outcomes and that projections become, are just projections, right, that the networks make. And, you know, when it's a wider margin, they usually hold. But if it's not, or if all the precincts aren't counted or whatever, or there are irregularities, it can take longer. And, of course, Canadians looked on, you know, gobsmacked as the American system unfolded because they're all run by the individual states and the state State Secretary, uh, the State um, uh, Secretary of State, who are the ranking officials in the government who oversee the process, are themselves political. There's no independent electoral commissions, and there's been a lot of voter fraud, frankly, disenfranchising of uh, African American people in particular, and then the other side, of course, been making false claims about voter fraud, which there's no evidence to support. So there's been a lot of emotion in this, and there's been a lot of uh, tremendous confusion. But what's now come, becoming clear is that the, there's a 40 margin, looks to be about a 40 margin uh, majority for the uh, con- in Congress and lower house. Senate, I mean, it's, they, it's overall uh, basically a wash, 
but there you know there've been a couple pickups and a couple losses but more losses frankly than there have been pickups some of the key um gubernatorial races which are important because when the congressional boundaries are drawn it's the state governments that do that have broken democrat others have been disappointments but overall the house has changed hands and i think the fact that the house has changed hands means that all of these various oversight committees in the house lead among them the house oversight the house intelligence committee uh, led by um mr schiff uh you know can really use its own subpoena power uh to investigate uh mr trump uh you know and to sort of complement and do more and greater work even than the Mueller investigation and even if mr Mueller is somehow stymied can continue to um to use again their powerful oversight um capacities which weren't being used before because the uh, republican majority was doing everything in its power to uh ensure that that wasn't happening uh, so I think this is a big, big change, and I think um, and now there's a debate within the Democratic Party, and I think it's playing out a bit around Nancy Pelosi's speakership, and it's the question of whether the Democrats should use the next two years of controlling the lower house to push forward sort of a bread-and-butter agenda on things like health care and the economy, or whether they should move full bore ahead with investigations and possibly uh, moving towards impeachment. I think that the, cons- the position of the moderates and the mainline party leadership, which again are being pressurized by younger and more progressive members, is to stay on the bread and butter issues and not to do anything around impeachment unless they get something very clear in the Mueller report. But there are others, you know, who, who are of the opinion that, that, that Mr. Trump is a clear and present danger and that there is a moral and legal responsibility to exercise oversight and that that ultimately means being very serious, not only about expanded investigation, but of leaving the door to impeachment open wide. Interesting times. You never know what tomorrow's going to bring. No. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Shane. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.